0: iTunes died. It's dead? I've been telling people we're on iTunes now, but apparently it's not iTunes. So it's something else. It's Apple Podcasts. So, so that's, that's how you know you've made it. That we are an Apple
1: Podcast. Are we charting? On we're, Apple an, we're an Apple... We're an Applecasted pod. We're an casted pod. That kind of sounds delicious. An Apple cast.
0: <laughs> Remember when we were talking about <laughs> Thanksgiving meals? Yeah. What's your favorite? I'm like i love the apple casted pod oh it's the best you dip your turkey into the apple casted pod that's not what i was picturing <laughs> i was i was picturing more of like i don't well pods so i was thinking almost like a a pea. pea and it was like you dip it in like this apple puree almost
1: like you, you're you dipping your snap peas in applesauce S- snap snap <laughs> peas in applesauce and that's like <laughs> is that like a new the uh new version of collard greens what? No, no? maybe not. i don't know. anyway.
0: <laughs> apple podcasts. subscribe. rate. rate. review, but only only 10-star ratings. yes. no there aren't any. there're five. no. five-star, uh, hit it. leave nice
1: comments. Yeah. or or whatever. yeah, or we'll hunt you down. <laughs> probably would. you got to see alex all angry. i've only seen you angry once. what was that about? dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There
0: was there was one other time though, and there was one other time when we uh, we tried to order Thai food.
1: Oh, that was interesting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I lost my mind. It was during
0: a game. It was late in the third period. We still hadn't eaten, and uh, yeah, I went off. You were hangry? Yeah. (laughs) That's
1: yeah.
0: Oh, you know what I needed? I needed some apple
1: casted pods. Mm, Delicious. All right. Get on to the pod. Let's get it. This is the Canucks Pod with Satyar Shah and Alex Aul. Welcome to this week's edition of the Canucks Pod. Alex Ald and I'm Satyar Shah, Sportsman 650. And available on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Uh, subscribe. And Google,
0: Google Music. Google Play Music. Google. <laughs> it's a Google Pod too now. What is it again? Google Play Music Podcasts. Google Play Music Podcasts. Google Play Music Podcasts. You Apple got it. Pod- why, why, why is everyone changing everything?
1: I, I don't know. Everything is I'm very still confusing. just Alex. Just, you haven't changed uh, your name no. yet? No. Oh, man. Hi, my name is... <laughs> what? Some what? Shady? No, no Alex. Okay. Alex Shady. Oh. Shady Alex. All right. Where are we going with this? I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, the Vancouver Canucks, back in the win column. It's been a very interesting uh, couple of months since uh, fateful October, where the Canucks looked like they were world world beaters for a short period of time, but a bit of a seesaw team ever since.
0: But An injured team. An injured team as well.
1: Um, We've seen some very highs from some of the top players, and because your area of expertise is goaltending, we may as well start with Jacob Markstrom against the Carolina Hurricanes and how good he's been. And also, oh yeah, another injury to a goalie, Thatcher Demko, yet another concussion. Well, where do you want me to start? You, to you, start brought, up two, you brought up two things. Though. Yeah, uh, we'll start with the goaltending. Yeah, I mean, but that, that performance by
0: Markstrom was... Pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, people are saying it's his best as a Canuck. Ian McIntyre went out and said one of the one of the best he's witnessed in his 28 years covering the team. Yeah, he he cited. So he's totally just skipped over all of my performances, pretty much. And you yeah. had an
1: MVP season. Yeah, it was. I,
0: stop bringing that up. It's, I mean, you're, it's not, just you're fact. not earning any brownie points. Well, with it's me. not about that. It's just but, hashtag facts only. Well, okay, but it, he was fantastic. And you yeah. know what? I love. Look, there's been some games where the goaltending has been good, but the run support has been phenomenal. So it's it's not that you're wasting these good performances. You're getting points and the right. goal, goaltending has been fantastic. There's no points in that game against Carolina if the goaltending isn't off the charts. And Markstrom was very good, very dialed in. Um, I love when a team can win a game and not score a goal in regulation like that. That shows that. Either your defensive play is super strong, but more importantly, your goaltending is is really good. And and Markstrom was great. And and when you consider everything that's gone on in Markstrom's life, and and so this is this is the other thing I was thinking about because to us it's it's just been the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, it was, it was like a cancer diagnosis and treatment, and pa- the passing away of his father. Like that that is a much longer timeline and something to manage emotionally as a son than. Just since we found out about it, right? So, this goes back a ways, and he's, you know, it's it's incredible the way he's been able to, at least outwardly, and what we see like manage this, and that's that's something I, that's impressive. Um, you know, I I don't ever want to pretend to know exactly how he's dealing with it, or because you never know, like people could be really struggling but at the same time performing well. But from when from a Canucks point of view, his performance has been strong. And uh, I, I've heard from some people like this is this has been a really, really, it's been a complicated thing to manage, right? Like, you've got the goaltender, you've got the team, you've got the needs of the team, but you've also got this personal side. And I've said this time and time again, I like the fact that the game has gone to a point where that personal side of things is allowed to even exist. Like there was a time in the history of, of a lot of working cultures, but especially professional sports where you weren't allowed to be human, really right and so that is that is a positive step but markstrom's been markstrom's been great and and the timing of it coming basically the day that demco's announced to have a uh, be in concussion protocol is is obviously timely because you don't have to worry as much about the timeline for demco but long term it's important that demco gets back because part of the strength of markstrom is the strength of demco and the fact that they can they can work their rotation or the time split, the timeshare based on rest. And rather than just like, we need points, so we got to play one guy. You you have a
1: second goaltender you can go to and give your starter rest. And we know that Markstrom, at least under Ian Clark, has been at his best when he's had some time in between to work with Clarky as well. And it's hard to get that extra ice time in practice and staying after, say, a skate when you got to play every game. Absolutely. That's one of the really difficult things to manage from going... I found this really
0: difficult when you go from being a backup who it's like you almost get too much goalie goalie school because you're you're staying out late all the time you're always doing the extra work to all of a sudden getting none that's really difficult so there there's always that balance that way and then once you get used to the rhythm and and uh you know it, it's it's important that it stays this way, I, in my view, because they've they've been able to find some success with this rhythm they have of of whatever, like two to one in starts, but also like the rhythm of, okay, this is what my week looks like. It's X amount of games, X amount of practices, this much goalie training. And you start to find that comfort level. Um, as soon as that starts going all over the map, it just, it complicates it
1: more. And for Markstrom, one of the things before he kind of refined his game under under Ian Clark was... He has a bit of a rhythm, rhythm goalie when he played a lot and he was under siege. He kind of played at his best. And we just talked about how he needs some time. But in, say, the short term here, and let's say he's feeling good after that Carolina game, confidence, getting into rhythm, uh, feeling it, and also having his game in order— can he get on a bit of a run here over the next couple of weeks before Christmas? Well, it's possible. And and so, I mean, really, we
0: saw the turnaround in his game last year. It was almost December 1st. Like, it was December 1st. December on, he was lights out. Um, November hasn't traditionally been a great month for Jacob Markstrom. Um, so, there is definitely that possibility. And, and I, I would expect that to him, him to continue to have some good starts. I'm not saying every game is going to have 40-plus save shutouts and they're going to win one nothing, But... He's going to give the team a chance to win most nights. And that's what you ask for. And then you say, all right, can, and can you also steal us a couple games like he did against Carolina? And so you you have this situation where he, he can get on a, on a roll, which could also be timely in that he's – we just talked about all this emotional baggage that's going on and, and the, the, the toll it takes. So to kind of just get out and get in a rhythm of playing and playing almost every other night or whatever the schedule is – then you, you, I'm not saying it helps you deal with a tragedy, but it, it can put your mind in a, in a space where you can kind of move through that and, and have something else to focus on. You're not always in your dread, right? Or you're not always in, in the sorrow of it all. You can, you can have some positives to look forward to. And, and dealing with, or playing with many players, teammates, who've gone through significant loss in, in season, the rink the teammates, the dressing room is often the escape from that that day to day grieving process in a positive way, and so if you can get into the game action and play then it it can be can be a benefit, but again, I always caution this it's it's difficult to talk about someone else's grief because i don't know like i don't yeah. know the way he's
1: managing i'm just i'm just saying this as something i've witnessed what was kind of special about the other night against carolina jacob 's mom was in the stands watching the game too and it just kind of... Usually, parents watch games. It happens a lot. Just given all the circumstances, that kind of got me a little bit when I when I heard about that.
0: I agree. And you know what? I I give our uh, good friend and, and colleague, IMac, Ian McIntyre, a tough time sometimes. He's fun to be on the air with. And he's also really fun to rip. But his column <laughs> for sportsnet.ca, I thought yeah. the... Uh, you know what? He probably doesn't even do his own headline, so I shouldn't give him credit. <laughs> but the, the headline I thought was fantastic, I and mean, it might have been in his tweet, though. So I, I, maybe I will give him credit for it. With his mother in his in the stands and an angel on his shoulder, like yeah. I, I thought that was. You're right. That's special. That's a special moment. Um, it's. I think some people look at look at things like this and say, "Oh, like how could you say that this this shutout is like?" I, I don't know that people who aren't in sports aren't athletes aren't around teams can really wrap their head around what a game like that could mean yet at the same time the perspective of something real happening in your life also puts the game in perspective that it's just a game and there's things that are far more important to you than than playing hockey but i agree i i was really touched when i when i heard about that and, and just sort of the the fact that uh i would imagine it meant so much for, for jacob to have you know his mother in attendance and be there to witness that that strong of a performance and, and at, at the timing of it all it's 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 pretty pretty special and these this is the thing i like about sports is as we often talk about sad is like that parallel um, how it ties to real life um, the lessons the examples like all those sorts of things and it's a it's another one of those human
1: stories that we find within within the sporting world it is and uh... Sports kind of has something special about it as well. There's something mystical about sports too. And when you see somebody have success in a moment like that, it just becomes more special. Maybe it's because I always grew up around sports, played team sports for as long as I possibly could before I realized I'm not going to be a professional athlete. Oh, but there's Before there's you realized you weren't a team player? Yeah, No, no, before I realized it just simply wasn't good enough. <laughs> Unlike everybody else that makes it. But there is something special about sports and your emotions and those relationships and especially with teammates because mm-hmm. especially in a hockey locker room there's something people have each other's backs and when one person is down cuz something happened it does bring people together. Well
0: you're right about that and and you you also there's a, there's a vulnerability to being a good teammate and there is a lot to to look at and believe that Jacob Markstrom is a phenomenal teammate. And so he, you know, when you put yourself out there and you're doing everything for the team and you're you're open as well in in that team environment and you're the the things player, players and teammates are willing to share with each other. It's it's pretty incredible. And so that adds to all of that sort of. The camaraderie, but also that what you were just saying—like there's something special about it—and so he's a guy that I'm sure, like no one was happier than his teammates for for the way last night went. Um, Although I'm sure they wish they could have played better in front of him, but that that's the reality sometimes of sports too, where everyone doesn't always have it, Um, and that is the also the special thing about goaltending—is that unique ability to flip the script on a game single-handedly. That you have that ability to. It's, it's not realistic to expect it every night, but you have that ability on occasion to have that type of performance and give your team that opportunity to win. And yeah, you can't score the goals, but you can just keep going uh, to the, at that level and not allow goals until finally um, something goes in the
1: other net. Yeah, a uh, special goal by Pedersen. We'll get to Pedersen and Quinn. He was coming up in a couple of minutes, but Hershey and I on the post-game show last night talked to Antoine Roussel right after the game, and he said... I mean, he, he was obviously glowing about Markstrom, but he said he's the most mentally strong goalie he's ever played with. Now, you know, he's backing his guy. That's something he's saying, but it does go to show how much his teammates respect the mental strength he has. And on the other side of things too, the Connection didn't play well against Carolina. Mm-hmm. They were outplayed and there's no way to look, look ba- ba- past that except for say Carolina's a really good hockey team. And there's a reason they got to the Eastern Conference Final and they may even be better this season. So they're a really good team. Don't take anything away from them. But in a game like that, from a coaching perspective, you can point to a lot of things you can p- do better as a team. How much can it help the guys at even strength the next game that hey, they're like, hey, Markstrom stole the last game. We got to play a lot better the next game. Well, it
0: it's, it gives you that ability to kind of get that wake-up call without it being punitive. Right? Like so they didn't they didn't lose points. They they were able to pick up two points in a game like that. Um, the the extra point. I know it wasn't a blown lead, but they, another team gets a point while it's in the other conference, so it doesn't matter the same way as if it was a... They play that way against Edmonton, and Edmonton gets that point. It, it's it's more punitive that way. There are certain wake-up calls that occur during the season where you get nothing out of it other than the wake-up call. This is a situation where at least they are, they're still able to get points and hopefully realize that, hey, we need to be better. We need to be more prepared. Um, Carolina, is at, you're right, they're a very good team. They're also, I would imagine difficult team to get up for because for years they just they haven't been good and and it's as much as you know the reality is they're better than than they were in the past you still don't i don't know if respect is the right word whatever it may be you don't it's not that glamorous team to get up for and especially on the heels of the leafs being in town where it's it's there's a buzz about it and and uh you and walks were talking about it being like the Vancouver-Toronto Super Bowl or something like. That. Not really. Well, walks, anything, walks, walks,
1: walks, walks. Walks kind of. Um, I know. You know he was sensationalizing a little bit, and, say. but you get my point. Like, <laughs> yeah, I Toronto comes to town, and and I think
0: there's this unique thing about the Leafs because, you like, yeah, most most players who don't play on the Leafs hate them, like it's part of it. But part of it is the attention. But you also, a lot of people grew up either living in the, like a lot of hockey players grew up in the Toronto area, or at least in Ontario, where the the Leafs were the team you you followed, even if you didn't love them, they were the team you got to watch more, there was more access to them on TV, uh, especially, and I know there aren't many players playing that, that grew up when I did, but when i played like there wasn't all these options for games you were you were, you watched what you were told to watch by cbc on saturday night like that was basically it and for me it was the leafs or the the habs in french and that was kind of the option so you you look at that and and there's this fact that a lot of players play in the ohl and and there's this special thing about toronto it's easy to get up for the leafs Carolina Hurricanes come in and it's it's can easily be a game you look past on the schedule so it's also a wake-up call that hey we need to find as a team we need to find a way to get up for those games that maybe don't feel
1: as glamorous or as exciting because they all mean the same thing in the standings on Thatcher Demko though we did kind of touch on his absence as far as how it affects Markstrom and also the team in general because now you have an unknown in Mikey Pietro, and and you know what maybe we'll talk about Uh, how much stock we should put into last year's game against San Jose where he got ventilated, not being prepared for that. And it's not his fault. He was thrust into a tough situation. But on Thatcher Demko, this is not his first concussion. And obviously, goalies every once in a while will take shots off the head. And there's an example of a current former goalie who just talked about a lot of his issues with concussion problems, Tim Thomas how concerning is it that thatcher demko has a history of concussions already and the position he plays doesn't doesn't exactly prevent him from getting other ones what what officially like so here's here's it's concerning
0: here's my my take on this though i am always i'm always cautious when i'm talking about head injuries and just because a player is in concussion protocol doesn't mean they've suffered a concussion in my view, I, I don't, would, would you agree with that? Like
1: well, I, considering h- how no, I, murky I, that whole science yeah. is, and sometimes you're not sure somebody has a concussion or not, you're right. So I guess yeah, like we, can, we can give so a caveat my, that and it and may a, not be
0: concussion. And I'm not trying to downplay concussions. Like, I get it, it's extremely serious. But I don't, I think a lot of people assume that, oh, this player's in concussion protocol. Concussion protocol, it's automatic, they've, they've sustained a concussion. Part of it is, and, and I think it's very, it varies by team by team, but also part of it is that, they're so much more cautious now that anything that might even resemble a concussion you end up in concussion protocol it's it's a different it's a different way of viewing it i'm not trying to downplay it at all but i just i don't want to profess to know exactly but yes it it's concerning because you uh, obviously the the more issues you have the the more damage the more uh more time it can take to come back the, there's there's so many aspects to it and and obviously there's the risk of long-term damage for sure um so it it's it's something that you definitely want to monitor monitor, and make sure that you're not rushing anybody back from it. I, mean, I think it's, that's important, but it is, it does, it does also show this, the progress we've made in the sport and in the culture of the sport. And it, it's, this is, to me, it's, this is the year of, of hockey culture, like whether it's about um, the coaches and everything we've been talking about the last few weeks and um, even, even outside of the coaching realm, but of Don Cherry and Coach's Corner, and all of these things that have seemed almost marked each week as we have gone through our our podcast life we it, there's there's a change, and part of that is the awareness of of injuries of of head injuries and head trauma, and how careful we need to be about it, but also how acceptable it is for players to be open about it and and go to a trainer and say hey this is how i'm feeling or, or whatever it's it's encouraged by clubs now as opposed to oh this guy is coming to me with a headache like he's soft that that is that is a very important shift in terms of the culture and the mindset of of how players are going to view injuries and yeah you know what long term there is there is an effect on your ability to potentially get a contract if you if you are deemed like with any injury if you're injury prone you're less valuable but there isn't this stigma of, well, the, the player is a wimp because they won't play, right? There's a difference there. And I, I think that that's important too because how do, you, how do you get treatment if you're afraid of letting anyone know what's wrong with you? And how do you
1: then get better if, if you're not getting treatment? And for Thatcher Demko, it's just – you just hope that it, it's not a concussion yeah. and it doesn't have any, any lingering effects and he's a young guy. You just don't want to see, see him go through it. And especially seeing Michael Ferlin go through his situation and all the uncertainty around his future at this point. He didn't suffer a concussion against um, the Buff- uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, but apparently he started having symptoms later in the game, and that's why he left. And it also shows you how unpredictable those symptoms can be. Yep. We saw it with Swambirchi last season when they went to Colorado, and because of the altitude, it started making him feel the post-concussion sim- symptoms again. So... It's just so uncertain around that entire situation. So when it happens, especially on the heels of Michael Furland, we're all on a bit of high alert when it comes to this type of injury. Oh hundred percent. It
0: it's and it's and it's serious. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not downplaying this at all. Yeah. I just you know, and then and then I, I I worry. So on the one hand, I'm like I'm quick to to realize that I'm not gonna in my mind, and I don't want to repeat things and say, oh, because this player is in concussion protocol, they've sustained a concussion. That right. may not be the case. On the flip side, it does come down to a little bit of semantics in terms of, oh, well, he has symptoms, but he's not in protocol. He's this, and, and, and it's it's confusing. There's a lot of gray area there, and so it's it's really difficult to discuss because you don't know exactly what all is going on you don't know all the information but i do know this that it is extremely serious it's something you have to take seriously because there's not just that short-term sort of career life um effect but long-term there's these dramatic ramifications to brain injury obviously and it's we're we're finding out more and more as time goes along some of those some of those cases some of those long-term consequences um and it's and I I, st- I still believe we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg. Like there's so much more to learn, especially since so much of this can't really be fully diagnosed till till after death. And so it's it's really difficult to uh, to try and and wade through this. It's a complicated
1: subject. And you see it with Tim Thomas, for instance. Not a yeah. lot of love loss for Tim Thomas when it comes to Vancouver, for instance. And that's all based on the 2011 Cup final. Uh, some of the things Tim Thomas said, and also. And whether you agree with his politics or not, that comes into it as well from some of the things in the past. And he's been a bit of a strange guy. Some would say not a nice guy, but regardless, I think most people f- feel bad for what he's been going through. Considering he said he essentially had to go into the woods for years because his head wasn't straight. He couldn't be around other people. He had to be alone because his mind was just that messed up from post concussion symptoms.
0: Well, I would, I would, I would hope, I would hope that most Canucks fans can can. Not, not that he needs your sympathy, but I, I would hope that they can get past 2011 and and all of that, and at least sympathize with what he's going through. Like and it's you, also a
1: lesson there as well. Yeah. it te- it tells us a lot about the injury and also people in general too. So if, even yes. if you don't want to sympathize, there's there is an d- important discussion here.
0: There is, and it's uh, you know, I I saw I saw clips of the the press conference last night. I I you know I I played with Timmy. Um, I was his partner. Uh, a a different guy but fascinating and somebody who like if it was something that Timmy was passionate about those conversations with him were were unbelievable and very memorable and so much deep thought whether it was whether it was bigger picture more life life stuff or like the way he viewed his gear and how he was he was on on top of a lot of current trends but a long time ago and the way he he viewed his equipment the way he viewed um, you know, down to the, like where the bars on his cage were for his sight lines on the puck, and constantly changing stuff mid game in his in his pads, and like co- constantly wanting to adjust and upgrade. And oh, I'm not feeling this today. The guy I learned a tremendous amount from, and it's it's really you know as a guy who who was a teammate and a friend to his like it's it's sad to see that. And I I knew he'd kind of. And and it's it's hard too because this the world we the hockey world is this this world of of constantly moving and either you're moving or your teammates are moving and you you get stuck in this cycle of oh well like he's gone to a new team like he'll have he'll have new buddies there and and when you're in it you don't necessarily have time to keep up with everybody you have your select few people that you're really close with that you kind of stay really tight with forever and that's this is what i've found and then a lot of people you're like if you were to run into them on the street or or sit down and, and a few of them like we've we've had the the pleasure of interviewing over the past couple of years it's like you haven't missed a beat but you don't stay up with them and, and, and in touch with them all the time and on top of that because timmy was this very unique individual like for him to go off i think a lot of people were like oh like like, I don't think many people realized. Right. And and that's sad too, because you hear him now and you're like, man, he was dealing with this alone. Like that's, that's really tough. That's saddening. And like, I, you know, and I, I don't mean me personally, but like perhaps like, but what could I have done? And I'm sure there's a lot of former teammates who feel that way about it. Um, Like what, what could, how could we have helped? And and not maybe not physically with, with brain damage or the injury, but does a, there's a close connection to the emotional side of things, and and the way he's he's feeling, and, and mentally, and and all those sorts of things. So, how could you reach out for for support? And I just, I just, again, I love the fact now that there is this this vehicle for people to be supportive. I hate I hate the negative side of social media and the way that people can can jump on people and and tear them apart. But the way that a message can be spread and shared. And positivity and good vibes can come from that as well and i I was i was shocked last night when i kind of i guess after the after the canucks game like so when that news broke when i when i saw that i was like man like this is this is something i I, i've got to kind of wrap my head around because this is a guy i knew quite well and uh i haven't talked to him in a long time and then you know you feel bad that you haven't reached out and you haven't connected and uh it's uh i feel for him i feel for his him and his family and it's a lot to
1: go through and it's a lesson that you don't have to suffer through something alone, yes and, and sometimes just because somebody is a bit reclusive individually, people kind of think of oh that's just Tim being Tim, he's going off to the woods or he disappeared for a couple of years. People probably thought that's just Tim doing Tim things, whereas you kind of understand too, sometimes you know people are suffering in silence well you're right, and, and one thing that I've, i
0: I try to um I try to do now and and you'll see this on. You'll see this on social media, like you'll see someone you haven't seen in a while, which you fairly we're we're close with, and you see them. They post something that's a bit obscure or different, and it's like, okay, like what's what's that about? Is that a is that a sign of something? And so, as much as I believe this, as much as we've we're getting to a point, and and we are still got a long ways to go. But I, as much as we've gotten to a point where like there's this more there's this acceptance of it's okay to ask for help but it's also okay to check in on someone and see if they're okay right and and you don't have to do it in a patronizing way or a way that makes people feel like like a a charity case or like but just like hey how's it going like you doing okay and like and there there was a a friend recently who i saw something and i'm like i know you're really into this stuff but i saw your post and it like it worried me like are you okay and like, oh yeah, I'm I'm actually doing a bunch of research on this type of stuff, and like, and they were posting like uplifting, like right. inspirational quotes and stuff. I'm like, okay, just wanted to make sure. And I'm like, wow, thanks for asking, because that's there's something where it's like, to me, a, a sign. A lot of people like they're going through something, and it's like you, you like you, we all have those friends who're like, oh, they're going through a breakup. Now they're like these motivational quotes right. are coming, like so. There's these things. It's okay to reach out for help. It's also okay to check in on your friends and don't just assume everything's okay all the
1: time. Yeah, th- that is well said, Aldi. Uh, now, getting back to the Vancouver Canucks and Elias Petterson and Quinn Hughes this season, we've been spoiled in Vancouver the last three years. This is now three consecutive seasons where the Canucks have a rookie who's either winning the Calder or in the discussion to win the Calder. We'll talk about these guys coming up in a few minutes right here on the Canucks Pod with Alex J. Alt and Satyar Shah. OddSharp.net is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks. Match-up picks. Looking for statistics and trends from an upcoming game? OddSharp.net has that too, and it's free. It's free. Expert in-depth analysis, stats, numbers, and trends to help you make the sharp game day picks. Hey, whether you want to get in on the football action, tonight's baseball game, or anything in between, head over to OddSharp.net and start playing like a sharp shark today. today. This is not a gambling site. Welcome back to the Canucks pod. Alex Ald and Satyar Shah on Sportsnet 650 and uh, Aldi. Before, before we get to Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, the super young players on the Canucks, Elias Patterson, the second fastest player in Canucks history to get to 100 points in his 103rd game, only behind Pavel Bure. That's pretty good. Not bad. We'll get to him in a second. But well, Brandon Sutter uh, is expected to return very soon, but we've been expecting this for over a week. And it's created lots of consternation within the fan base. A lot of talk about, is this cap related? Uh, what's going on with uh, Brandon Sutter? Well, from what, what I can gather, um, Aldi, they can activate him. Yes, they would have to make some moves on the cap and, and all that sort of stuff, but that can be done and there is a, a, a clear way to bring him on if they want want to, if he's healthy. What I've heard, though, is for a guy who's had a lot of soft tissue injuries in his abdomen, growing area, and it's happened a few different times for him. He's had seasons cut short. He's had surgery on it. Even when he's feeling a little soreness, he and the team has decided to to say no. And he's come very close to playing a couple times, but even the slightest bit of soreness has prevented him from playing. Can you understand why for a player who's been going through issues like that in the past? Absolutely. I mean, you look at it from... There's there's
0: two factors on this, right? There's there's the physical ability to play at your best uh, in the in the moment, but then there's also long term ramifications. But then then on the, on the flip side, I mean, you mentioned the cap implications. They luxury, I don't know whatever the right word is. Yeah, let's use luxury. They have the luxury right now of being able to wait, right? Like so, you don't have to jump to decisions because in another game or two or a week or whatever it may be, maybe those. Decisions don't have to be made because someone else might be hurt. Like there's, there's a, there's, and so I get the whole point of making sure that he is absolutely pain-free, 100% ready to go before you, you activate him and have to make some, some consequence, cons, say the word, consequential, right? consequential decisions. It must have been, I feel like it was the eggnog I had in my
1: coffee. Probably. That, that's why I try to avoid as dairy as much as possible yeah. before talking. Yeah, but that, it's, uh, eggnog is in dairy. It's not dairy? It's chicken milk. Oh, well, I mean, does
0: it I have I don't know. Lactose? That's what it says in French. lait de poulet. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, is <laughs> it actually the milk of a chicken? Anyway, um, back to Sutter. Speaking of farming, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, you look at it and you have the, the, the cap implications, obviously, but it's it's like there's long-term consequences to some of these decisions they may make, right? Like whether it's, you know, sending someone to the miners that maybe's picked up on waivers or burying cap, whatever it may be, you've got to make a decision that you could be essentially losing someone or or moving on from a different player and so when that's the situation and the player isn't 100% and able to go and you aren't desperate to get them back in the lineup you wait and you're patient and then when so and then when you talk about that area of the body it's extremely difficult everything comes through the core every all your power your balance your your explosiveness your speed everything that a hockey player needs it all comes through there, and it's an area that's been concerning for Sutter over his career. In previous injuries, like you said, surgeries, the the ability to rebuild that area it takes a long time, and so it's it's something that you want to be extremely cautious of. And they have that ability to wait
1: right now, so I get it. Well, and it's, if you're a little sore after skates and practices, which are at incredible high high tempo, but it's not at a regular season game tempo, no. and when instinct comes in and you're going for a loose puck and you're skating down um, for back pressure or you're trying to get in on the forecheck, you're just going. You have to go as fast as your opposition, if not faster, so it pushes you. You're going to push your body to the brink pretty much. And if it can't handle that load all of a sudden, then he can tear something. And I do think there is some fear from both the organization and Sutter that even if he comes back slightly too soon and something pops, he might be done for the year.
0: You're right. and And the other aspect is... As, as much as
1: a practice can be
0: super intense your teammates are still going to let up on you at some point right whereas in a game you you there's that unpredictability to the whole aspect as well whether it's it's a, a move you have to make to defend or whether you get the puck and you get hit you don't see it coming and you're not prepared for it so there's there's so many aspects there and and again that that area is so it's temperamental and especially once it's been weakened or as soon as you're compensating and your your body there's imbalances all those things and you're putting yourself further risk to for a lot more longer term injury and that's why it's so important you 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 would rather sit an extra day an extra week or two than be out the rest of the season and that's that's definitely where where Brandon Sutter's at with that, and in my view, I look at it and i, I heard him uh, heard him talking. Uh, we had we're playing some clips of him on the radio, and it was kind of like, would he play against Carolina or not? And and that's he's like, hey, I I need to be I need to be 100, and I think that's the right course of action right now.
1: Yeah, for a guy like that, you don't want him to come back too soon and get hurt again, and the Canucks. You lack some depth down the middle. I mean I mean, we were having fun with Tyler Grayovac and what what a great story he is. I mean, he's gone for the foreseeable future, and they don't have a ton of depth down in the minors, and Adam Goddard's still a rookie, and Jay Beagle's had some injury concerns. So they need the depth down the middle back for sure to get Brandon Sutter. But uh They can get by for now when Elias Pettersson finds ways to score. And he scored a beauty against Carolina in overtime. And it was a bit of a frustrating game for him. Maybe not his finest game. He had trouble to get going offensively. The Carolina Hurricanes were strong and hard on him, making life difficult. And that's been a bit of a trend this season. But it hasn't stopped him from picking up a lot of points. And his two-way game has been really, really solid. So despite him maybe not dominating the way we saw... In the first half of last season, he's still putting up more points than he did last year, and he's finding a way to succeed. What does that say about the kid? Well, I, I like your point about
0: how his game's more well rounded. Like he continues to improve defensively. Uh, he's he's incredibly smart offensively, and, and to me, that's what it says more than anything is that like he's. He's got these physical skills that are great, but he, his anticipation and his hockey sense are next level. And that, it's very, very unique. And I've said this before, but someone extremely close to the team says like, he's a hockey savant. Like offensively, his, his mind is so gifted. And especially when you're around the team every day and you see them on ice every day and you see the things Elias Petterson does on a consistent basis... It's incredible. His the level of of hockey IQ is would be the term you put on it. But it's it's a gift. It's something extremely special about him. And to me, again, it's just like we're just scratching the surface on this player. Like, what is the potential? Where can he get to? Um, you know, and then you think about his age and how he's as much as he put on weight this offseason. He's still physically pretty immature. Like in terms of where he's going to get to when he's like when he's a man. You <laughs> yeah, know? when he's a man like you sat. I don't know. <laughs>
1: well uh hopefully it doesn't take until the age of 35 like me but i'll say this about comes back next year with this like <laughs> gray beard and just, just looking all satyr glorious just the uh, age so much so quickly but i'm so glad you brought up that physical maturity point well thank he, you yeah because, i think just for you <laughs> because as much as you're right he's not as scrawny as people make him out to be he's a lot stronger than people realize he still hasn't just grown into his body yet and when that happens there's a next level for a player that they can take and he can skate well still obviously he's fast and everything but once you add that extra i mean i know it sounds stupid but it's like you get that man strength all of a sudden you just kind of just kind of grow into your own and when that happens then a player becomes so much harder to stop well you know i'm not saying he's going to be this player
0: but you you think about the evolution of nathan mckinnon and in the last couple of years, all of a sudden you're like, Holy cow, this guy is a monster. Like and and different players have that at different points in their career. Like I would say, like Austin Matthews arrived in the NHL more physically mature than yeah. McKinnon or Pedersen. And yeah. but McKinnon now, you're just like, this guy's it's off the charts. And and part of that is the just the physical maturation. Part of that is the intensive training. I would imagine part of it with McKinnon is the fact that he's being pushed by and pushing Sidney crosby on a daily basis in the off season as training partners and that what an incredible thing to have um but it it's it's pretty impressive when you see a, a really good player who there are a lot of them in the nhl take those massive steps into ultra elite categories and pettersson is there in some aspects of his game and, and i talked about his his iq and and uh, you know he's got a, a great shot and, and there's other aspects but it's like that full complete package especially from a physical point of view the ability to physically dominate and not always have to constantly be outsmarting everybody in order to get an opportunity um just being able to have sheer power on your side as well like there is and and again i'm not saying he's ever going to have mckinnon's frame but even if gets to half or three quarters of that what can that do for his game especially if it's strength in the right places and strength that's still about explosiveness and speed um and and he still has the ability to have those those moves and be elusive then i mean
1: it, it's like a whole nother level he can get to his build kind of reminds me of henrik sedin to some degree and especially early on in their careers the cities were pretty skinny and they got stronger and stronger and by the time kind of henrik peaked, because henrik is a little bit bigger than daniel as well size wise he's like six two six three and peterson's six two like he's not a short guy and once henrik kind of got that extra strength he could get to the net at will remember he'd be dragging guys around he'd -hmm. he'd spin off the half boards and nobody will be able to pull him down you have to you have to hook him to stop him and daniel was similar but it seemed to be a little extra strength to henrik sedin and I can see in Pedersen's game, he wants to get to those areas, and he still gets there. Sometimes, of course, it's more of a struggle. When that kind of happens, because I don't see him being one of those players who is shy to go to the tough areas to make things happen. And when he can get there more easily, it adds another dimension to your game. Well, it does. And and so what ends up happening is you get these, you know, every
0: year you you pick up, you have a comfort level, you need less time to... recover in the off season less time you you get stronger you build up you obviously your strength your power your speed but you're also your ability to to process and uh, like physically process the recovery necessary right so how how quickly you bounce back as you get better at all those things your capacity to work goes up and your ability to put more time in training and and realize like hey i need to i need to keep getting better and and so you know when you start looking at those guys and and as as good as players are can be nowadays in, in years one and two or three, when you look at year four five six when guys really start to dial in in their off season training and know year over year the improvements they can make and what worked last year and you've a little bit of trial and error and and obviously the science behind the that that sports training now the sports specific training is is so crazy there's there's so many people that are so well versed in all of these things and nutrition and fitness and how you optimize an athlete um, and and you and then you have the drive and the personality of analias Patterson and and the smarts to say hey like that didn't work for me this is what works for me and and just that the the know how of it all it can really you can really develop at an incredible rate especially a little bit later in your career and like not right at the start and so again I I I think about Patterson I think about Hughes and I think about the fact that these guys are so elite so young. What can that look like? And I'm not it's not like, hey, I'm gonna guarantee this guy's gonna be better than Mario Lemieux at some point. But what I'm saying is it's like there's it's really open-ended because it's really gonna be limited by their their drive and a little bit of luck in terms of injuries, but their their drive and their ability to process that new information and apply it and and uh you know for both those guys, Hughes and Peterson, it's because they're so they're so slight that's part of part of their elusiveness and part of it is they're skating but if they can apply the strength and the, that size and that that physical maturity in the right way it
1: could, it could get really scary for the opposition that's why the ceiling is so high for both these guys yes. it's only the second season for Elias Patterson Quinn Hughes is a rookie and I mean Quinn Hughes is the single most talented Canucks defenseman they've ever drafted and it's not even close I mean that's you just watch what he's doing yes. and he's gonna he's gonna exceed 50 points as long as he's healthy he has 24 and 31 games and it's not just about the points but all the like what this I mean, kid's like, doing think about it you'd, you'd be happy with that if he was a forward yeah Like no you'd be like this is a really good season yeah, Like it's it, nuts it, it, that's what he's doing and it's not just the fact that he's scoring points and against Carolina it maybe was one of his toughest games he had some giveaways Carolina did a good job of getting on top of him a few different times and that's part of the adjustment for a young player but like, he's been playing at a legitimate top-pairing level all day. You know, how hard, that's... I mean, you tell people how hard that is for a rookie defenseman, let alone somebody who's a teenager. It's hard. <laughs> I, I was never able to do it. Right. No. Um,
0: I mean, no, you don't see that no, very often. No, you don't. You, there are a lot of really good defensemen who never get to that level, like where he's at already. And guys have had fantastic careers, but they never get to the point where Quinn Hughes is at already in his career. It, it it excites me so much because it's it's skating in such a unique way like the way quinn hughes moves on the ice there aren't a lot of people who skate the same way um how elusive he is how he uses his edges how he understands how to shake a four checker when he has the puck how it it seems it's constantly like you watch him and you're like man he's skating himself into trouble And you're like oh no he just he just opened up so much space by doing the opposite of whatever it's so counterintuitive, and I think that is what's so brilliant about it is because it's so hard to anticipate what he's going to do because he almost he's constantly going against the grain right so it the 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 potential of that is 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 off the charts. We've talked a lot about that, but it's exciting to to like you, like you said the the best defenseman this team's ever drafted to actually have that and to witness that development and that growth. It's exciting on a daily basis for Canucks fans because it it just screams potential, but it's not only potential. You're also getting rewarded in the immediacy of him putting up these incredible numbers and being an impact player every single night. Yeah, and
1: you just kind of marvel at his talent and the way he skates. You're right, because his skating, it's so different because he's fast. No, don't get me wrong, and he's fast in a straight line, but he's not like... A burner in a straight line, like he doesn't just put guys to waste. It's his deception. It's his edge work. It's how quickly he can turn and how he moves. It's like he essentially is like a figure skater playing hockey. Well, you're right, and 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 his and the
0: unpredictability of it, right? So when he his ability to change, his ability to to change direction, his ability to cut on his edges, his ability to transition from like what you don't realize about a lot of players until you watch a player who skates that effortlessly it's like wow like how hard some guys have to work like because we're we're used to a certain level of skater on, in the NHL that we watch on TV or in person and then you see him and you're like oh like that's what it's supposed to look like but it, it jumps off the screen as being abnormal because no one else does it because he's so good at it it's so natural it's some of the things he does the way he transfers his weight and it's it's almost like he's skipping out there and and I, I always love players who are deceptively fast and uh, Quinn Hughes is one of those guys to me um you you can clock him and be blown away by his his speed because it is it does look effortless it looks like he just all he has to do is just push a tiny bit harder not have all these extra steps in there to go faster and but to me it's the ability to change direction it's that ability when he has the puck and on a regroup and to cut and cut back and and do it in a way that isn't like like to me when PK Subban makes this, it's so it's so dramatic, and there's so much flair. Yeah. But then Quinny Hughes does it; it's just like I don't know. It's so smooth. It's it's wonderful to watch, and so that then completely changes your dynamic and how you attack, how you defend, and and it just accelerates your team in terms of its development because you've got this absolute stud back there doing doing the seemingly the right
1: thing all the time. And his puck skills are unbelievable. Yeah. And then you add in the poise and the hockey IQ. Like he'll be the he'll be the last guy back on the blue line trying to handle the hot pass, and he is so cool and calm. The guy never stresses. You can't teach that. Like that's no. something that, that that's inherent. That calmness with the puck and that confidence. That's something that you either have or you don't have.
0: Yeah, yes, I, I would say it's. I don't. I'm not going to say that people. I don't think people are born with that. I think personality temperament and the way you but also it's it's the way his environment and what he came up in and how how these kids were nurtured in terms of i you don't get to that point without an acceptance of it being okay to fail at a certain level like you you've got to give the player the confidence to try those things and as they as they are able to do it and execute and have success then you give them more rope more leeway and, and the ability to do that um but you're right. It's, it's very difficult to teach someone to have ice in their veins. And that's, you look at it, the, being calm, under pressure, a lot of players would panic in situations where Quinn Hughes is like, I got you right where I want you, right? A lot of players would panic and just throw the puck away or just be like, oh, I just got to get rid of it because now I'm in trouble. Quinn Hughes is like, that's where he really shines because – Again, it becomes to down to uh, it comes down to being unpredictable, right? Like if you're forechecking a guy and you're thinking, okay, I've got him where I want him now. I've got him here against the boards and cuz 99.9% of other defensemen in the NHL are either going to fire this puck away or let me hit them. Uh, and then all of a sudden Quinn Hughes pulls a rabbit out of his hat and he's like, "All right, peace out. He's gone." <laughs> right. And you're like, "Whoa." Like because it's so unpredictable, it's so different and that's where he's just he's he's so dynamic. You can't even I could talk about him all day because it's it's so much so much fun to watch, but it's also just like it seems revolutionary all the time. And I I don't want to. Like, he's not Bobby Orr, but I think you think back to I I would have loved what a time to be alive when Bobby Orr was coming up. Like that would have been really cool to watch because it was this whole other level of the way he did things and changing the position. Now a lot a different time in the game now. Um, but I, I just see there are, there are glimpses of it where you're just like, man, this, this must've been what it was like at that time, but only dramatically, uh, dramatically even better because it was like the, the
1: level of everyone else was so much lower that Bobby Orr was just like sky, like light years ahead of everyone else. Yeah. He was a man ahead of his time. It was, it was very obvious for those who watched it at that time, you know, I wasn't around to watch Bobby Orr. But this is, this is the thing nowadays, like in what it's so impressive that like
0: Connor McDavid can be so fast. In today's NHL with how good everyone skates. And Quinn Hughes can be such a good skater in such a, like, the golden age of skaters. Like, it's like, it's imp- it's incredible. It's incredible to see guys who are still able to have that separating talent in an era that is so
1: full of talent. And there's so many of them right now. Like, yeah. Mira Heiskanen may be the best defenseman in the league with how he's been playing. The he's in his second are, season. Young men are crazy. Uh, Kale yeah, McCarr, I mean, as much as we've fallen over Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr has been the better rookie so far. Obviously, he's got the concussion he's dealing with and everything, but people in Colorado are seeing all very similar things yep. about Keel McCarr and what he's doing. Rasmus Dahlin, you saw what he did last season for Buffalo. He's injured as well, but there's just a different level these young defensemen have. And it used to be the position where you drafted guys outside the first round because you knew it would take four to five years for the guy to even make it to the NHL and then become something. It was always like, defensemen take longer. These guys are bucking the trend.
0: Well, I, and I, the next the next step, and this is where it's going to get like what's what about in 15 20 years because here's what's going to happen young kids are going to actually start wanting to play defense it, they still don't want to the best players on teams don't want to play d but at some point some of the best athletes and we saw this with Patrick Wah and goaltenders a long time ago and then the french revolution of of goaltenders coming up under Francois Waller and like all of a sudden really good athletes wanted to play in net defense is one where still like i'm i'm around you know wee hockey and and not a lot of teams have one of their top two or three players play on the back end. That, that doesn't happen. But does this generation of really skilled young defensemen does that start that? So then, what's going to come? Right? Are, are young players who were really good, the best players on the team, the best skaters, are they going to want to play on on the back end? And if they do, how does that further accelerate the growth of the position?
1: Well, it's you know, not to make a basketball reference, but it's kind of Steph Curry. Isn't the best player of his generation, but he may have been the most inspirational player of his gen- generation because everybody pulls up and shoots threes from half court. Essentially, there's something cool about shooting threes. Even yeah. guys who are bigger doing it, like you watch high school it basketball, changed, changed the game a lot. It changed lot. the yeah. game, and not to say Quinn, he was a change of the game. This is more about the defenseman in general. But when you see these young defensemen, it could be something that inspires the next generation. Absolutely, and, and anytime you start getting,
0: anytime you start getting premium athletes premier athletes playing a different position it accelerates things really quickly because for the longest time it was okay to be a defenseman in the nhl you had to be big and strong which oftentimes meant slow and that was sort of what a defender was while well, the rules change all these things happen oh there's a premium on skating so now all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, oh, like the success of a guy like Carlson at his size inspires some smaller players and that goes on and on. Now all of a sudden you look like, okay, the best defenseman in the league could be like all under 22. That's crazy. And and so now all of a sudden they're, they're the the hot young stars in the game that now the young kids coming up, that's who that's who I want to be. Like I want to be like Quinn Hughes. I want to be like Haskinen or McCarr or whoever. And, oh, I want to play D. And then all of a sudden that just – is, grows exponentially in a generation because of what can happen. Because as those really good skaters are, are defensemen all the way up, their development curve is going to be really
1: strong because they're going to take that position to new heights, in my view. It's a very interesting time to be a hockey fan. fan. Exciting, also a little scary based on a lot of things that are going on, but... Nonetheless, we're, we're, we're moving into a new paradigm, and it is fun to kind of see it how, how it all will unfold. All the, you and I can talk forever, uh, but that, that is the end of this episode. We'll, we'll get to ask, ask Alex anything next week. Anytime right. you want to send questions in, just just shoot up Alex on Twitter. We'll save them. Shoot me up. Shoot, him, <laughs> shoot me up. At Alex J. Ald. Yeah. Uh, let him know, or hit hit me up. That's at TR Shaw, and we will get to as many questions as we can, but a lot of fun discussing hockey with you, buddy. You too, buddy. All right, bud. All right. Okay, buddy. <laughs> talk soon. Ciao. Mm. The fruits of victory are sure sweet. Uh, Clemens must have been crazy
0: to think he could get away with that. Crazy with greed. Well, as somebody said, all's well. As long as that somebody doesn't get crazy, go jumping on trucks and trying to play super cop. <laughs>